welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. And as always, I love being able to talk with you every week about the journey that you're on with your daughter. It's a, such an important journey, and it's such an important relationship. And at times, you're going to have to put the work in. And not only at times, pretty much every day, you're going to have to put that work in to be able to not only build strong relationships with your daughter, but putting in the work to help you to be more mentally strong, emotionally strong, vulnerable, et cetera, that will help you to be a better father. Now, that's not always easy and it can be challenging. And definitely there are challenging times sometimes when you're a dad. And last week we talked about some of the things that we are seeing in society today when it comes to kind of the some of the changing demographics when it comes to men and also some of the challenges that men are facing. And this week, I, I'm bringing back our same guest, Dr. Robert Zeitlin is with us again this week. But this week, we're going to be talking about depression. And depression is something that many men will face sometime in their life whether it's when you're younger or older, you know, it's important to understand what that means and how do you deal with that because it not only can impact you personally, professionally, but it definitely impacts you as a father. Dr. Zeitlin is a positive psychologist. He has been a positive psychologist for many years, works working with kids, working with men and fathers to help them to be better dads. And I'm really excited to have him back again with us this week. Dr. Zeitlin, thanks so much for being back with us. It's my pleasure. Well, I'm really excited to be able to chat with you again today. And this is a harder topic, but it is definitely an important one. And I guess first and foremost, before we delve too deep into talking about depression, how about we set the stage and we define it for anyone? What depression is and what it is not? And we can kind of start from there. Sure. Depression is one of those words that's come into common conversation that wasn't always there. And when we talk about fathers and men, it falls in the realm of mental health, which is a topic that has not really been discussed. And so what depression is, is a mood disorder that's characterized by a set of symptoms. It has a number of different ways of playing out, some of which may be more severe and a sudden downturn, which would be called a major depressive episode, lasting at least two weeks, where someone's struggling to manage changes in their appetite, changes in their sleep, changes in their energy level, which may actually be on either direction. All of these things may actually not look like your classic idea of depression where someone is just laid out and unable to move. They may be agitated and very restless, actually. Might lose your appetite or might find yourself very hungry. And, and so these range of symptoms, there's major ones and minor ones. Some of the minor ones are losing interest in things that would normally interest you, feeling a sense of hopelessness, feeling a sense of helplessness. These last two are, are ways that when I work with someone in depression, I really empathize that this is really a way that it's very cruel the way depression can kind of mess with your mind and warp how you're seeing 
your outcome, the possibilities in front of you, and also whether or not someone could help you. And we'll get into more where there's a crossover with anxiety, but those are the major aspects. So it can be a severe clinical downturn. It can be a less severe downturn featuring some of these symptoms. Now, you just talked about some of the symptoms, and you said some can be longer term and and some shorter term. Can we delve a little bit deeper into some of the symptoms? Some of the symptoms, not only that you might want to look in yourself about, but also as you're looking at other men, other friends, other people around you that you may start having some concerns about based on what you're seeing in their in their mood, in their in the the way that they're acting toward other people and in other factors. So things that you may be seeing and noticing in other people is if you are noticing mood swings, which could look like sadness, it could look like sudden irritability, or it could look like a way of just struggling to manage and stay in the same range that someone's normally been in, that they may show extremes like swinging is one thing to look for. The things that you're going to notice about changes in patterns of sleep or appetite are going to be more minor. You know, if someone if someone lost a significant amount of weight, it really can be a troubling sign. And maybe depression, maybe something else. Is someone having trouble sleeping and they're just sleepwalking through life and you can tell that there's something off about their their sleep habits. Are they acting more out of control? Are they unable to sort of manage their mood going up and down? Besides the mood swing, you know, just sort of the outward behavior. These are the kind of things that you can look for. And then there are other severe things that we'll get to talking about signs of suicidality and, and other concerns that things are really, really taking a bad turn. But those are some signs that you can look for. Now, if you're starting to notice those signs within yourself, within others, what are some of the first things that you should do as if you're noticing it in yourself? Let's start there and then we'll go outward. I think one of the first things that you should do is to look to assess the situation for yourself and possibly seeking help from someone. If you are used to being the kind of person who can work through an injury or manage bad stuff happening in your life, that actually may not serve you well in a situation like this. This may actually be, in a sort of sneaky way, a another problem that, that feels like something you can handle, when in fact, if it gets to the point to start playing the mind games that I was talking about before, you may find yourself out of your depth, even though you're a strong person even though you've been resilient in your life, even though you've been able to rely on yourself in a lot of ways, this is the kind of thing that you don't want to mess with. This is the kind of thing that you want to get some outside perspective on. And I'm not saying run to a therapist. I'm not saying start to pop pop antidepressant pills. I'm saying assess the situation and go to someone who can, from a arm's length, you know, this isn't like you go to your neighbor and you say, does this look, does this look, you know, I bang my finger. Does this look swollen to you? You don't need your neighbor assessing this. You need someone who understands what they're looking at. And, and like I was saying, I don't think this is something you want to mess around with um, because the chances that it's a minor thing and you, and you really need to talk to someone and work out something that's going on in your life. And then there's also a chance that this could be something severe and you don't want to find yourself in in deeper water before you're making that call. You want to make that call earlier and figure out what's going on. Now, you talked about 
looking at yourself. Now, if you are that other person and you're looking at a friend, a loved one, and you're starting to notice some of these things that are concerning to you, how do you either address it with that other person or how can you work to support that other person as you're noticing these changes? That's really important. Some of us have dealt with this and have a sense of what it might look like. So you might be able to understand what your friend or loved one is dealing with. And some of us may have no experience with this. But either way, especially if you're dealing with someone like I was inferring in my last answer, that is probably more in the in the camp of like, I'll figure this out, or I'm going to wait till it gets worse before I ask for help. And the thing that you can do is to say a version of what I just said to the prior question. I heard this podcast and this doctor made a lot of sense that this is something that you don't want to mess around with. If you have a swollen finger and you're not sure if you just banged it and the swelling is going to go down, that's one thing. If your finger's pointing the wrong way, you go to a doctor because you probably broke your finger. This is one of the signs that we're talking about here are the kind of signs that may challenge you to step outside your comfort zone with your friends and loved ones and to push a little harder for them to get the help that they may need. It's something that you don't want to play around with. When I work with teenagers who understand about mental health, and there's some really amazing programs out there like Mental Health First Aid that teaches people what they can do as non-professionals, what they can do in terms of looking for signs, what they can do in terms of helping others. One of the things that they really stress here is that depression and its potential link to suicidality is something you don't play around with. In fact, some kids that I worked with came up with a saying that they're going to take risks in their friendship because they'd rather lose the friendship than they'd lose a friend. And the risk of suicidality that seems to be growing and is growing in the population that we're talking about tonight as well in terms of fathers and, and grown men is something that is reaching levels that we really, really don't want to play around with. So I'm sorry if I'm sounding a little extreme and, and maybe alarmist, but this is the time when you take a chance and you reach out a little harder and you push a little further. Again, not for someone to go to a therapist or go get medicine or go to a hospital or go to an emergency room, but just to push them in the direction of finding someone who can assess their situation and give them some direction. I appreciate you sharing that. Earlier in our conversation today, you talked a little bit about that depression at the same time can sometimes feel like anxiety for someone that is dealing with it. Talk to me about that because we define what depression is. What is anxiety and why does depression sometimes feel like anxiety? This is a great question and something that I think is maybe a mental health 200 level course <laughs> where we're just being introduced to ideas like depression and we don't think it hits other people. And then we look around and someone we know struggles with it or, or they're struggling with suicidality and our friends start to admit that they are taking medicine for mood issues like depression and anxiety. And it isn't until we get a little deeper into it that we approach questions like this one, Christopher, which is a counterintuitive thing. If I'm feeling anxiety, then that means I'm worried. That means I'm anxious. That means I'm, you know, I'm trying to follow the logical train of thought that we all think. That means there's something out there that might mean that I was scared about something. And 
that all moves me away from the idea that the anxiety may actually be linked to a mood problem like depression, when in fact, anxiety can look like depression, and sometimes depression can look like anxiety. And so they aren't that far apart. They aren't two sides of the same coin. I'm not trying to infer that, because anxiety is definitely its own complex, and there's a lot of stuff that's connected with anxiety. But there are ways that on a simple level, if I'm feeling depressed, and I don't really feel comfortable with that. And I'm not really even conscious that I'm feeling depressed. I just know that something is wrong and something is off. And on some level, it's freaking me out. Then on that quite simple letter level, that could cause me to look and feel anxious. You know, I could be anxious that I'm depressed. But also, as I inferred before, some depressions can look like and feel like anxiety, when really what's happening underneath is a mood disturbance like depression. And ironically, and I'm not here pushing pills, and that's not the first line of treatment. As a psychologist, I don't prescribe, and most of my patients don't take medicine. But ironically, some of the most, most prescribed medicines for depression, antidepressants, are also used for anxiety. So the same brain chemistry that those pills work with end up approaching both of those things and can, can surprisingly reduce symptoms in one area and by making you feel less anxious can actually lower the other signs of depression that you might be suffering from. Now, I know in some cases we're seeing positive moves in the right direction when it comes to mental health, but then in other cases we're seeing more stress, we're seeing more depression. Sometimes it's silent and we're not you may not realize that it's happening, but I know that it is out there. In your opinion, with the men that you've worked with and what you're seeing, why are we seeing more men that are struggling with depression? That's a really good question. I have my theories based on my experience with men and with dads. And I think partly it's from, from my vantage point as a psychologist, partly it's from my vantage point as sort of a pop sociologist. I mean, you can't talk about fatherhood as a psychologist and not think about the trends in fatherhood and in masculinity and, and growing up as a man without seeing you know, the larger picture. So on one level, I think the answer is that we've kind of come up to this level where we're now managing things like feelings and starting to live our lives in more open ways, more connected ways, and by definition, more vulnerable ways. In that way, we're actually not locking things down like we might have grown up doing or we might have seen in our own fathers. And I don't think that necessarily ever really worked. It just came out sideways for that generation and for the current generation of men that are trying to lock things down. It'll come out sideways in terms of anger or impulse control. It'll come out sideways in terms of addiction. It'll come out sideways in terms of health issues. But I think what we're seeing is, for lack of a better word, more more men living honestly and sort of dealing with stuff up front. And that's leading to some higher levels of depression. I appreciate you sharing that from, the van from your vantage point, because not all of us will see it and not all of us will experience it. But it's important for us to be able to realize that it is there and that men are dealing with it in many different ways. Sometimes, as I said, silently and sometimes not. As you look at the men that you've worked with in your experiences working with men with depression, can you talk a little bit about stress, mental health, and its impact in regards to depression and the impact on individuals 
and how it's impacting those individuals in their personal, professional lives. Yes, I think when we talk, start to talk about stress and let's say the building blocks of what some people may experience as depression and the way that the way that our lives are contributing to that stress and the way that our lives are limiting the ways that we respond to that stress. I, again, be remiss if I didn't mention what I really see as a huge challenge for the fathers that I work with, which is what I'd consider the double-edged sword of fatherhood. I think there is a great deal of goals and aspirations that today's fathers have. And still, I think we're also carrying the pressures that we were raised to believe we needed to meet those expectations. So at the same time, if you're managing an expectation that you should be the breadwinner and you should ensure the safety and and prosperity of your family, and you also want to be the dad who's there at dinner and able to be present and be available for conversations with your kids, a kind of relationship with your partner that creates the kind of safety and and loving environment that you want to raise your kids in, then that's the two-career kind of goal. <laughs> you know, you have to manage some conflicting pulls on your time and conflicting pulls on your agenda. And inherent in that conflict is going to be some stress. So if I want to do both of those and I'm feeling stress, do I also need to dedicate some time to managing my stress? Do I need to make sure not just that I'm going to the gym. So one dad with, with young, young, kid, young daughters mentioned, I have to go to the gym because I want to be prepared for when the guys come to pick them up. I need to be ready there at the door to, to set an impression on him, them. But nowadays, we're going to the gym because we're also thinking about longevity. And we're also thinking about how do we stick around so we see our kids grow up? How do we stick around so we see our grandkids? How do I stay in enough shape and flexibility where I can get on the ground with my grandkids if we're all having kids a little later than the prior generation had. So I think stress and stress management is a part of the conversation we need to have along with depression, along with mental health, but it's hard to have it without recognizing the challenging circumstances that more and more dads are in this generation with so many aspirations than we have been in the past. Well, Dr. Zeitlin, this conversation has been an important one, an important one to really think deeply about not only personally where we are, but also looking outward to the people around us and knowing that there may be people around us that are struggling with depression, struggling with mental health issues in some way. And it's important for us to be present and be there and be willing to help in any way that we can. And I truly appreciate you sharing all of these things today to be able to help us move in the right direction. Now, if people want to find out more about you, about what you're doing with with men, with fathers, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, the best place to connect with me would be through my website or social media. My website is robertzeitlin.com. And you can find me on most social media, Dr. Robert Zeitlin, Dr. Robert Zeitlin, like Instagram. I regularly put out a, toward following the, the conversation we're having, I regularly put out a post every couple of months on social media to say, if you're struggling with depression or you're struggling with other 
stress or issues and you're trying to find someone to talk to, I'm not putting myself out there as come talk to me, but I am putting myself out there as a resource to help people navigate what can be a very confusing and demoralizing system of trying to find someone. Just being in the system and being a guide to people to to help them find a local therapist to help them deal with whatever insurance constraints they have. It's just an important thing to do. And if it's not me and you don't know me and you're not comfortable reaching out to me, finding someone who's talking about this or knows someone who has navigated it is an important first step. So if I can even connect you with them, then I'd be happy to just reach out to me in either of those uh, ways. Well, Dr. Zaitlin, thank you again for being here. I will put links in the notes today for you to be able to reach out to Dr. Zaitlin yourself if you have questions. And I wish you all the best. Thanks, Christopher. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be